daring to dream. And, and I, I want just to encourage you, just to, as, as we get ready to pray and get to the Word this morning, I, I just want to encourage you to uh, open up your minds and, and allow yourself to dream, to visualize, to, to you know, if, if God could do anything in your life, and, and if you knew what you did that you could not fail, what would you attempt to do for God? And, and today we're going to talk about uh, a little bit concerning the, the, the history of our church, you know, where it started and, and the unique things that we can point out and say that only God has been able to do that. I mean, there's, there's, it's not about church services, and it's not about how many uh, uh, people come to the building. It's, it's not about any of those things, although we want to see it filled up with people, and we want to see people saved every week. But there ought to be some things in our lives and in uh, our church that we can point at and, and simply say, only God could do that. You know, we want to look at the history of some of the things. And, and truthfully, God has done some really amazing and unbelievable things. You know, the fact that where we're at today, where you're sitting at this morning, is an absolute bona fide, without a shadow of a doubt, a miracle that God has performed and done for this church. And what I'm asking Brian to do is I want to ask Brian to come up here and just maybe share a, a, a testimony of some of the things that... That, that he can look at and say, you know, God is really, really moved in this situation, and only God can do those things. And right at the end, uh, Shannon has prepared a, a video, uh, a video history of our church. So we're going to look at some of these moments uh, as we close. And like I said, at the end of the service, we'll be uh, doing a baby dedication. But Brian, why don't you share a little bit what's on your heart? Amen. Uh, up front, I've got some allergy stuff going on, so... My voice is probably not going to make it through this, but, uh, you know, I've kind of told this story a couple times to people, and, and it's it's pretty emotional for me. Uh, kind of like Donald, uh, whenever I think the Lord's speaking to me, I'm about 5% sure. Uh, the other 95%, I'm thinking it's whatever, but, uh, but, you know, this all started, uh, what, three years ago now? We were at the old church. Uh, I came up into leadership in the church, and we were looking at... Uh, you know, what can we do to make this church better? What can we do to grow this church and, and to move forward? And, and one of those things was uh, we inherited a lease over there, uh, a very expensive lease. Uh, the church was paying $6,000 a month for the property that we were in. Uh, huge, uh, huge. And, and I say that uh, because it's kind of important. Uh, some of the details are kind of important to realize just the magnitude of what's happened here, but... So, you know, we, we, we started looking at that, and, you know, the church had spent a lot of money there. Uh, there were a lot of people that had some very personal uh, ties to that place, and I understand that. Uh, but, you know, we knew that in order to grow, you know, we had little to no money for ministry. Just We were barely paying our bills. So we knew we had to make a change. We had to do something. So we started looking and looking at property, looking at buildings, looking at places we could go. Uh, and I'm trying to make this short when I stand up here and talk for about six hours about this. But anyway, uh, you know, we look and we look and we look and we think, okay, we're going to buy some property. We're going to build a building. Uh, and we're going to get out of here. And we, we prayed about this for probably close to a year, I guess. So, you know, I'll never forget, you know, the night we came, we had, we had a meeting, had a special call meeting at the church. Uh, we came in, we, we had a plan laid out, 
uh, we got some very serious resistance from some of the church members. Uh, and to be, be quite honest with you, you know, the first time I'd ever heard anybody call anybody a liar in open church. And I'm thinking, Pastor, can they do that? I mean, is that allowed in church? Uh, but anyway, th there was some resistance there. And uh, so, you know, that kind of started the ball rolling. Uh, we looked, we kept looking. Uh, everything we'd done seemed like led right to here. You know, I guess it was the Lord's way of, 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 of getting us here, but, you know, Donald, uh, multiple times we rode around, he said, we, we need to be there. And, you know, and I thought, yeah, you're right, but that's not for sale, you know. So I don't know how many times we did that, but, you know, so finally one night I said, hey, you know, I'm going to call a guy and ask him, is that for sale? And he said, you know, yeah, it's for sale. Uh, funny you ask, because we just got approved to sell that property. And so that's kind of how the ball got rolling here. Uh, and again, I'm trying to cut this short, but uh, there, there was things that, that happened here. There was no doubt the Lord made this happen. Uh, and, you know, I certainly, for, for time's sake, uh, can certainly talk more one-on-one -on -one with you about it. Uh, but uh, there were so many people wanting to buy this property. Uh, and... The way it all happened is just just a miracle to God, but uh, from God for us. But but we can talk more about it. And uh, thank God we're here. Thank God we followed uh, we followed the Lord in this. He made it all happen. So thank you all. Well, he didn't tell you nothing about what happened, so I'm going to real real quick. Truth is, we were in serious financial bondage back in the place where we were we were at. You know, it was a it was a great facility. It was a beautiful facility. It was a, a large amount of square footage, but but the 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 rent each month was absolutely oppressive and and was just really draining the church of of any kind of financial resources that 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 we had. And for me, this church exists for this community. It doesn't exist for us to gather together into a building and worship the building. Now, I'm thankful for what we have, but if we have no resources to minister to our community, we need to close up shop and do something else. But we're, not, we're here not for ourselves. We're here for those that are not yet here. But we found out that the property, this property was, uh, was made available, and so we approached the Board of Education about buying it, and the Board of Education said, uh, yes, absolutely, uh, we can, we, we're going to sell this. We, we just need to contact Frankfurt to make sure that this is a legitimate deal. And long story short, they come back and said, yes, you can purchase this. We're waiting on you to go get the money. Well, in the meantime of us going to get approved for the loan, somebody else had approached the Board of Education and said, you know what, uh, we want to buy it as well. The original price was $500,000. And uh, uh, so they heard that, uh, that, that we were going to buy it. So somebody else goes to the Board of Education and says, you know what, you know, we'll give you, let's say, 600000 or whatever it may be. And so we were contacted back from the board, and the board said, we've got multiple people that want to buy this building. And so now what we have to do is we, we have to wait and, and see how this plays out. He said, uh, then, then they said, you know, oh, yeah, and I forgot. Uh, the state had actually approached us before you did about purchasing the, the building and the property, and they've already applied for a grant in Frankfurt, and if they get approved, they're going to buy the property. So we had to wait about three months, you know. And, and Have you ever been in a hurry and, and God not be? 
So, you know, you know, it felt like this was just so, uh, just drug out, and, you know, we felt so helpless. I thought, you know what, I, I believe with all my heart that God really wants us to be here because really about five years before that, I contacted the Board of Education myself about this property. It wasn't for sale. Well, after three months, the, uh, uh, we, we contacted the, uh, the Board of Education and, and asked them what the state's going to do. Uh, lo and behold, the state actually got the grant or got the, got the funding for the purchasing of this building, but it just so happens to be that they decided not to buy the property they're going to build somewhere else. So I'm thinking, well, praise God. We're ready to go ahead. We're ready to move forward. And they said, oh, we have to hold up. You know, we've, we've also been told by Frankfurt that now that, you know, since there's multiple people interested in the building, in the property, we have to do an online auction and we have to sell it to the highest bidder. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and so I'm sitting there thinking, man, that's, that's not right. You know, you said that we could have this. We could buy this if, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the state didn't want to purchase it and, and build a building here. Well, you know, from that time forward, it was about another 30 to 45 days that the uh, auctioneers came in. We're getting ready to, uh, uh, you know, put this, you know, this property building up, and it was going to be advertised online for about a month. And I can't tell you, I, I was the most popular man in the county. I can't tell you how many people came and wanted to talk to me about this and say, can we make a deal here? Can we do this? I'm willing to go here. I'm willing, I mean, I thought, well, wow, man, you know, I'm, you know, I'm popular for some reason now, you know. But, you know, long story short with that, we didn't do anything. It comes on auction, okay? So we put our first bid in. And, you know, quickly it begins, you know, people were bidding, and then they outbid us, and then we put our maximum in. Our maximum amount was $500,000. That's as much as we could go and as much as we were willing to go. Well, uh, Fred Jackson actually came up, and, and he put a bid in online because you had to put a bid in, and, uh, in order to see who had the actual property. So Fred Jackson came up, and uh, he, he talked to us. He said, I actually put a bid in. And I saw that you guys had the actual uh, uh, highest bid at this point. He said, I want you to know that I'm willing to go $700,000 on this property, but as long as the church has the bid, I will not bid on the church or bid on the, on the property. So we all sit there together watching the online auction tick down, you know, one hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 3, 2, 1, boom. Guess what? Nobody else bid, and we were able to purchase this property uh, for $505,000. And so once that was, was bid, and, and you know, the man sat there, how many people do you know would have just done that? So we pray blessing upon him. But, I mean, in every single way, shape, form, or fashion, it was truly a miracle that, that we had this property. You know, I, I can say a lot of things, but um, the thing that I know and know that I know is that regardless of what happens tomorrow, God wants this church right here where we at because it's a miracle that it happened. Oh, you can do better than that. Listen, that's a miracle. That's not a little small thing. You know, that's, that, that's not like a, 
you know, that's not like Tiger Woods making a six-foot birdie putt. We're giving God a golf clap. Listen, I mean, he, he, look, when God's ready to do something, he will move heaven and earth in order to make it happen. And he will move on the hearts of men. You know, the Bible says the heart of the king is in the Lord's hands, and he turns it whichever way he desires. I believe with all my heart he was turning the hearts of people just so that we could be where we're at today. Amen? I give him praise for that. Hallelujah. Well, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn over to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 28. I really believe that God has uh, got a word for us this morning, something that He wants to, to speak to us about. And you know, we, we started this Daring Faith campaign, and Daring Faith, this Daring Faith campaign is a growing, sowing, and going campaign. It's, it's three dimensional. We want to grow, we want to give. And then we want to go because that is the great commission. That is the commandment God has, has given us. And we, we talked last week about daring to believe. We know if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can do anything he wants to do anytime he wants to do it. Amen? But what we're going to talk about today is daring to dream. More specifically, we're going to talk about vision. And vision is simply seeing things from God's perspective. Every single one of us should have a vision of what God has called us to do. And as a church, we should collectively have a corporate vision of what God has called us to do. Vision always gives birth to vision. And that's important. And the vision that God wants to give people individually will always help to contribute to the overall vision that God gives a, a local body. And so the first thing that we have to do if we're going to accomplish anything uh, uh, for the Lord is that we have to have God's vision for our life and God's vision for our church. The scripture says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says where there is no vision... The people cast off restraint. In other words, they just they walk around every day unrestrained doing their own thing. But when you give your life to Jesus, you do no, you no longer have the right to go out and do your own thing. Did you mean it when you give your life to the Lord? Then you don't belong to yourself. And you can't say no, Lord, and mean it at the same time. And so what we want to do during this campaign is bring everybody together and everybody get on the same page and believe God to open our eyes for the next season of what He has called us to do because we can point back not just for this building. There are other miracles in the video we'll show. You know, we were able to merge churches with the wonderful people at Lockers Creek Church. And a couple of years later, we were able to merge churches with... Uh, the community church. And, and I want you to know that, that that City of Hope Church has been completely the beneficiary of those two merges. And we received and were able to come together and have a, a, a great group of people from both churches that really helped bring us to a place where, where we were whole and healed and, and ready to move forward in God. And the video will actually show that. But the truth is nobody in this county has ever done anything like church merging. 
I never even heard of it ever happening. You know, churches in Clay County, they don't merge, they split. And so we have 150 churches in a county that has about 21,000 people and 18,500 of the people in Clay County do not go to church anywhere. And the majority of the churches that we have, I'm just being honest, are the result of church splits instead of church being planted and birthed. And so when I look at those things, you know, we see that, that God had to be in this. I didn't do anything to ask for it. You know, I didn't approach anybody about this. These were things that, that were brought to my attention and asked of me. And we prayed it through, and, and, and that's happened. To me, that is a very miraculous thing. But I also think that is a prophetic calling of what God wants to do within the churches of Clay County abroad. Imagine if the churches in our county came together in unity and worked together to help fulfill the Great Commission, which is what Jesus said before he ascended we needed to be doing. Imagine if we gathered all of our people together, all of the resources together, I mean, all of the gifts and the talents. Listen, I think about stuff like that. I honestly believe that God wants to do something incredibly powerful and unique that has never been done before. And I believe that God has called this church to be a part of that and being a catalyst for that happening. Now, when, when God spoke to me about the possibility of merging churches with community church, I actually thought that he was talking about other churches in the community were going to be doing that same thing. I never thought there was actually going to be community church because they've always been in the forefront of what God's been doing in our community, and I would have never thought that that would happen. But God has made that so. But God opened our eyes to the reality that, you know what, we're better together. I said, we are better together. You know, two heads are better than one, even if both of them are empty. And so we're going to talk about daring to dream. God is calling uh, this church into a season of dreaming. You know, we need to cast off all of our preconceived ideas about what God wants to do in our life and even in this church and let God frame the dream and the vision of what he wants us to do in the future. Because the Bible says that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that's at work within us. Now, if you can think about the greatest thing that God could ever do in your life, if you could think that up, the Bible says that He can even do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can think or ask. So I want to take the limits off of God and say, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want us to do, we want to say, yes, Lord. Can you shout, yes, Lord? Genesis chapter 28, starting at verse number 10. It says, Now Jacob went out to Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones that was in the place and placed it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. I mean, imagine having a rock for a pillow. I mean, I felt that way many, many times in my life. You know, I felt like, you know, listen, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm unhappy, I'm, 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 I'm miserable, you know, I'm going through difficult things, and listen, I have to use a rock for a pillow. And that's what he, that's what he does. Now look at verse 12. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth. And its top reached to the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land in which you lie, I will give to you and to your ascendants. Also, you, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad in the west and the east and the north and the south and in you and in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken. This is what Jacob received in a dream. Verse 16, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Now think about this for a moment. He is in the wilderness. He is in a barren desert place. There's nothing around, nothing good going on. Nobody is there. He's sleeping with a rock underneath his head as a pillow. And God says, you know what? This is what I'm going to do in the very place and in the very land that you have just took a nap in. And Jacob, could you imagine looking around and saying, in this place? I mean, you're going to do something in this place? Why in the world would you even bring anybody here? There's nothing here. Sound like Clay County a little bit. But he said when he awoke, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't even know it. He received a dream and God opened up his eyes to see what God was seeing. And when Jacob seen what God was seeing, it changed everything for Jacob. And it changed the way that he viewed the place God was calling him to. I submit to you that God wants to open your eyes and my eyes to see Clay County and Manchester and southeastern Kentucky the way that he says it. Because Jacob goes on to say, he names the place Bethel. He says, this is nothing other than the house of God. And if you can't see it, then listen, let me tell you something. Our folk are, are really and truly critical and negative. We don't even celebrate anything good that goes on. But you know what? We will blow up the negativity. And listen, there's a lot of church folk that blow up the negativity on behalf. And let me tell you something. God hates negativity, and so do I. So won't you just pray with me right quick? Lord, I believe that I have a word from you today. I pray that Genesis 28 would become revelation in our heart that just as Jacob saw the place where he was, as the place where God was at and God was moving, may we see this city and this community and this region as a place where you were moving. I pray that you give us your dream and that you would give us your vision and that, God, you would open up our eyes that we may know what that is that we may find a starting point, and that, God, that we may fall in line to follow you because you are at work in our community. You're not just at work in our church. You are at work 
in our community and we want to join you where you are. But if we can't see you, if we can't see your hand, then God, we will not know what to do. So today I pray you make clean and and clarity and that you would give us a clear vision that we would be able to see it, seize it, follow you, and fulfill that purpose and vision that you've given us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, one of the most important elements of the Daring Faith campaign deals with the issue of vision. And the Bible teaches us that all of us were created in the image and in the likeness of God. And the point I want to make here is that if you are a born-again believer, I want you to know that there is a measure of the creative power of God that is on the inside of you. The truth is that we are most like our creator when we're being creative. And so when God began to uh, speak the world into existence, when, when God began to create the universe, what was the first thing that he done? He spoke, right? No. He didn't speak. He spoke it into existence, but the first thing he did before he spoke is that he saw. He saw then he spoke. In other, in other words, God visualized what he wanted the world and the universe to look like. He visualized what he wanted to create. And once he visualized in his mind what he wanted to do, then he spoke it into existence through the power of his creativity. I'm saying that the same Genesis 1 God that spoke the world into existence, that that had a visual idea of what he wanted the universe to look like, dwells inside of you, and the same power, not to the degree that he has it, but the same creative power God has on the inside of you, and it's sitting there lying dormant, and God wants to stir that up because God wants to do some really unique, creative things through your life, in our community, and even in our church. Amen? See, now during this series of of Daring Faith, I'm going to challenge you to ask uh, uh, challenge you to ask God and to seek uh, and that God would open up your eyes that you may be able to understand and know what the vision and the purpose that God has for your life. If you don't know what that is, you're in the right place. And the starting point is simply by asking God to show you. You have not because you ask not. And the Bible teaches us, if it teaches us anything about God, it teaches us that God is a God of purpose. God does nothing unless he has a purpose behind everything. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. If you read on in that chapter, it says there's a time to be born, and then there is a time to die. God has not only created you for a purpose. You were created by God and for God for a specific purpose. Not only were you created for that, God has given a time frame in which He expects the purpose He's given you to be fulfilled. In other words, if you're a believer, everybody here... God has given your life an assignment. And attached to that assignment 
is a season or a time of reference in which God expects for that to be done. And whatever God has called you to do and whatever the purpose that God has for your life, there is a season for that to get done. That's why we need to be about the Father's business. Moses understood this. Moses wrote in Psalms chapter 90 verse 12. He said... He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Why are we to number our days? Because our days are numbered. And one day we will stand before God. Everybody here, we will stand before God and we will give account of ourselves. And so God has given you a purpose. He's given you a season for that to be accomplished. It's got a time frame. And the time frame is the duration of your life. So whatever you were born to do, God has assigned a season for you to get it done in. Now, throw the next slide up there for me if you don't mind. Now this leads us to the next question. What is vision and how is vision revealed? Vision is a clear concept of something that does not yet exist, but will soon become a reality. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. I mean, a vision. Now, do you have a vision? Do you have a clear, guided purpose for your life? Do you have a clear concept of something that God wants to do in your life that does not yet exist, but it will soon become a reality? If you do not have that clear guided purpose if you do not have a vision i can promise you you will be miserable for the rest of your life god has given you a purpose your life has meaning you were called to make a difference you were called to stand out you were called to be set apart god's put his hand upon you he's put a lot of thought in you he's given you a vision and a purpose for living and if you don't know what that is you need to seriously and quickly begin to seek god that he may show you what that purpose is. Now, I, I love what the Scripture teaches us about dreaming or vision. We just read in Genesis chapter 28 that Jacob laid his head down on a rock for a pillow and he dreamed. And in his dream, he saw something that did not yet exist but was soon going to become a reality. He dreamed a dream and God opened up his eyes. Dreams are the language of God's Spirit. God wants to give you a dream. We know Joseph dreamed a dream. You know, he received a dream as a teenager, and it took 13 years for it to come to pass. And so, you know, Joseph dreamed a dream, but that purpose actually came to pass at a later, at a later date. You know, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, it talks about Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And, and what happened here is there's armies that are approaching them. And all of a sudden, uh, Elisha's servant, Gehazi, what happened to him was he became very, very afraid. And you know what Elisha did? The Bible said that Elisha prayed that God would open up his eyes. And when God opened up his eyes, he saw a whole host of angels standing around him. And guess what happened? When God opens up your eyes and you see something like that getting ready to happen, all of a sudden the fear that you once controlled your life is gone. Because listen, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. So what we need to do is we need God to 
open up our eyes. And if you have any fear, if you have any resistance, if you have any reluctance, if you are afraid to step out, if you're afraid to do something, all you need is to understand that God can open up your eyes and you will find out that there's more for you than they are against you. God, listen, created you to succeed. He didn't create anything to fail. He didn't create your life to fail. He didn't create your marriage to fail. He didn't create your church to fail. Everything He created, He created for the purpose of it being successful. Now we see in Luke chapter 24, after Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead, there's two disciples walking on the Emmaus Road. And Jesus is talking to them. And he says, why are you so downtrodden? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you so depressed? And, and the people said to Jesus, the disciples said, have you not heard what happened? Have you not heard that, that, that Jesus, this man that, that we believe to be the Messiah of the world, was was crucified and they buried him and it's been three days since then and and there's not been any sighting of him and so Jesus is walking down this road with these men and the Bible says their eyes were constrained and they begged him to come in and sit down while he sat down the Bible says he opened up the scriptures and he began to show them in the scriptures who he was and then the Bible says all of a sudden their eyes were open and then all of a sudden, their hearts begin to burn within them. Listen, when Jesus opens up your eyes to reveal to you that he is with you, he will mark you with a burning, passionate heart that will not be satisfied with anything less than everything that he has for you. And if you do not have a heart that is burning with passion for Jesus, it's simply because you've never seen him in the way that he wants to reveal himself to you. So if you just ask him, God, I want to see you. I want to experience you in a way that I've never experienced you before. I promise you something radical will happen and Christianity and church will cease being boring to you. And all of a sudden you will be pursuing him and he will open up your eyes that wherever you're going, you'll find out that the Lord is with you. I don't care if you're going through difficult times. I don't care how hard it is. Listen, David wrote, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, of death that the Lord is with me and he said surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and so God is telling you whether it's a good time or whether it's a bad time if you just look around you'll find out that goodness and mercy is going to follow you and if you open up your eyes and see you'll find out that listen nothing is impossible to them that believe so he opened up their eyes now let me give you six things right quick Concerning vision. Number one, vision reveals your purpose. Listen, I was fired up studying this stuff. I don't know if it's ever dawned on you yet, or if you've ever thought about it, but God himself has put a lot of thought into you before he created you. Listen, God was thinking about you long before you were thinking about him. Now, how do I know that's true? Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, he said, I knew you. Not only did God know you before he created you, God in all of his creativity said, What can I do in this person's life 
that will set them apart from the one or from the from the one point or the seven point three billion people on the face of the earth. And listen, nobody has the same fingerprint as you. Nobody has the same DNA as you. When God created you, He set you apart as uniquely different than everybody else. And what makes you unique is also what makes you powerful. A lot of people don't like the way they are. Well, if you don't like the way you are, you need to change. How do you change? By seeing yourself the way God sees you. You don't have a sense of identity because you've never considered that before he formed you in your mother's womb, he already knew you. Not only did God think about us before he created us, you know what Acts 17 verses 26 through 28 says? He said that God determined where you would be born and where you would live. Not only that, this is another thing that blows my mind. You ought to read the Bible. It's a good book. Surely if you believe that God wrote a book, you'd read it, wouldn't you? Do you? I just paused right there let that sink in. In Psalms 139, the Bible shows us that God has predetermined and had made decisions in specific detail about every area in your life. You know, the Bible says that God chose your personality. The Bible says God chose your natural talents. The Bible says God chose your skin color. Jesus himself said that even the Father knows every hair that's placed upon your head or the lack thereof. When it comes to, you know, creating me and Terry, God said, I'm getting tired of counting all these hairs, so I'm just going to bless them with a bald head. You know, the Lord only made a few perfect heads and the rest He put hair on them. So listen, the Scripture says that God described every detail of your body. Listen, you were born by God's purpose and for God's purpose. And God was thinking of you before you even thought about Him. You are custom made by God and for God. You are a one of a kind, original. But so sadly, most people die a copy of what they thought they should be. This is the thought that God's put into you. Do you see that? Have you ever, listen, it'll blow your mind. I mean, most of us, we feel so like, like that we're, we're useless and we're worthless and we're poor and we're uneducated. Listen, we can name about a thousand things that are negative and critical about ourselves, and we can't even name one that, that is actually a positive quality. Don't insult God by saying that he was made you when he created you that you were an accident. When you were born, God didn't look down and say, oops. This is the kind of thought that God placed in you. Not only did he think about you, he also said, I've got a plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good and not evil to give you a hope and a future. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which are in Christ Jesus. Listen, before the world began, 
God not only thought about how to create you uniquely different than everybody else, he also created a unique plan and purpose for your life before the world began. And the truth is, listen, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. The difference between the called and the chosen is that the chosen responds to the call. God is calling every single one of you. If you are a Christian, you have a calling. The Bible says that he saved us and that he called us. Listen, salvation includes a call to the ministry. And if you are not involved in a ministry, then you are a disobedient Christian. Ministry is not for experts. It's for amateurs. That's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't withhold any of the bad details of some of the greatest people that we've ever read about. That kind of stuff gives me hope. When I look at the Apostle Peter and the mess he was, I'm thinking, there's hope for me. You know, John, some of you, you know, you've got callings on your life, and some of you, you're running from that calling. God placed a calling on Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh. But instead of going to Nineveh, he ran down to the seashore. And going down from the seashore, he ran down to the bottom of the boat. And while he was down at the bottom of the boat, all hell broke loose and he was thrown overboard. And guess where he went then? He went down to the belly of a whale or a belly of a great fish and he was spit out on th- after three days. When you run from the call of God, the only place your life is going to go is... But the Bible says God call- saved us and he called us. Listen to this. This is another thing that blew my mind. Psalms 139.16, it says, All the days of my life were ordained for me and written in your book before one of them ever came to pass. Now listen, that scripture says that God has wrote a book about your life before you were born. Of all the things that He had in store for your life. And when you stand before God... God will open up those books, the book that was written about your life, and I wonder what He will say to you on that day. I mean, to me, hell would be to stand before God and God open up the book He wrote about my life and showed me all of what could have been done in and through my life if I would have just believed Him a little bit more. To me, that would be hell. You know, that would be miserable. I mean, that would just, it would be, that would be horrible to think about that. And so let me, I, I'm going to go after what God's called me to do. And listen, I'll leave the results up to Him. But let's just say today was your last day and you were thrust before eternity and before God. And He opened up the book that your name is written on and He wrote about. I wonder how much of what He's called you to do has been fulfilled. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sobering thing. So God, vision reveals our, our purpose. Let's go to the next one. The second thing vision does is this. It's revealed by passion. Vision reveals our purpose, but vision is revealed by passion. Psalms 130, or 34 verse 7 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Listen, Desire is proven by effort. Are you with me? Desire is proven 
by effort. And so if you have a desire, that desire will never come to pass until you make the necessary effort to pursue the very thing that you're desiring from God. So desire is proven by effort. Passion is proven by pursuit. David had a passion for the house of God. And that's why he wrote in Psalms 27, 4, this one thing I do. He didn't say 10 things. He didn't say, uh, you know, 50 things. He said, this one thing I do, and that I will seek after. Remember, desire's proven by effort. Passion's proven by pursuit. He said, this one thing I'm going to do. I ain't going to do everything else. But what I am going to do is I'm going to wholeheartedly pursue it. I will wholeheartedly seek it, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen, the Apostle Paul, he had a desire to fulfill the purpose of God for his life. Guess what he said? He said something similar to David. He said, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to that which is ahead, I press to the mark of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. God wants to give you a clear guided purpose so you're not busy trying to do everything, but like David and Paul, you will be doing the one thing that he's called us to do. Now, here's the danger. This is where a lot of people are, especially those that are, that, are, that are very busy in ministry. The danger is that you can be interested in something, but not necessarily passionate about it. And the success of your vision will be determined by your ability to distinguish between the things you're interested in and the things that you're truly passionate about. Can you separate the two? As you separate the things you have that are interests from the things that are truly passion in your heart, you will find yourself making strides forward, progressing, developing, growing into what God has called you to be. Here's the third thing. The third thing is that vision requires perseverance. Now, you know, nothing's easier than going before Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. That's the easy thing. The hard thing is trying to get people to cooperate. Nothing's easier than throwing out and saying, we're going to do this for God and that for God. We're going to have this finished. We're going to touch our community. It's going to be great. hard thing is getting people just to show up, to be faithful. God doesn't need the highly educated. He just needs fat people. You know what, fat, I'm not, you, you thinking about weight. I'm a heavyweight. Listen. But fat people are faithful, available, and teachable. Look at your neighbor and say, are you fat? But if you truly got a vision from God, guess what? The devil's going to do everything he can to stop it. I love this statement. Your problem is an indicator of your promise. Your problem is an indicator of your promise. So if you're going through a whole lot of hell, let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of heaven on the way. Listen, if you're going through a difficult time, listen, that's just the devil prophesying over your life that I better stop them before they go to that next level because if they go to that next level, there'll be nothing I can do to stop them. Listen, I don't want to die having not believed God enough. But your problem's an indicator of your promise. Now listen, at age 14, David was anointed 
to be the next king of Israel, okay? But the closer that the time came for David fulfilling the vision God had given him to be king, guess what? An enemy surf- surfaced. And, and the devil did not surface. God allowed Goliath to surface. As a matter of fact, I, I believe this. I believe God raised up Goliath just for David. I don't believe the devil did it. I believe God did it. And because here's the truth, listen. You know, you take Goliath out of David's life, he's still going to be just a simple shepherd boy tending to a few, few of his father's sheep out in the pasture. But listen, his problem, Goliath, was an indicator of his promise, the throne. And anytime you get serious about fulfilling the purpose and the vision God's called you to, I can promise you an enemy is going to surface. And listen, God didn't raise up David for Goliath. God raised up Goliath for David. Your vision will always require developing perseverance. And listen, true vision, when you settle it in your heart, will cause you to persevere through difficult times because nothing is more important than having a sense of purpose when all hell is breaking loose. Do you know how many times that has been true in my life as a pastor? You know how many times I have considered resigning every Monday? What keeps me going? I believe in this church. I believe in what God has called us to do. And I want to hang around to see it. That's what gets me through hard times. I have a sense of per. I don't do this for the income. I do it for the outcome. I can't wait to see what God does in your life. If you just take that next step of faith, God will show up and we'll celebrate together. That's what keeps me going. You know, it's been said that even the snail made it on the ark through perseverance. Listen, God's called you to get on the ark. You come in the easy way or the hard way, the short way or the long way. But you're going to get there. You just need the perseverance of the snail. Here's the next thing, number four. Vision gives you kingdom perspective. Well, what in the world does that mean? It means that vision by nature is unselfish. And the reason so many people fail to see the vision that God has for their life is because it's self-centered. Vision is not about you. It's not about making you great. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross to make you a bigger, better version of you. He came to wreck your life so that you could come and receive of Him. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. Jesus died on the cross to make dead people live. And He who has the Son has life. And He wants to give you a life. And listen, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And, and, and here's the thing. He, he didn't say, I come that you may exist and exist more abundantly. I, I come that you might be religious and be more religious abundantly. I, I come that you come to, you know, to cope and to cope more abundantly. That's not what he came for. He said, I come that you may have life. And some of you, you are physically alive, but you are spiritually dead. And that's no way to live. 
Jesus prayed unselfishly, not my will, but your will be done. Number five, I'm about to wrap it up. I love this. Vision reveals our true potential. Now listen to this. I quoted it earlier, Ephesians 3.20. God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power. Where's it located? Listen, exceeding abundant power is where? Do you believe that? But none of it is accessible unless you're willing to change. God said, you think of the biggest thing that I can do in your life, and I can do something far greater. But here's something else that Scripture says. It says, if second best is all that you can believe God for, then second best is all that God can do for you. And some of you, you just given up expecting from God, period. And he said, listen, this is an exciting journey. You just need to believe me and then step out on faith. John 14, 12, the works that I do, Jesus is talking, you shall do also even greater than these shall you do. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's within me than he that is in the world. Listen to this. Potential is all that you could be but have not yet become. It's all that you could be, but have not yet become. Vision is designed to draw out the very best out of a person. And your potential is God's gift to you. What you do with your potential is your gift back to God. What are you doing with the potential that God has given you. Amen. Your vision shapes your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen, the way you think determines how you feel. And how you feel determines how you act. And if you want to change the way you act, you must change the way you think. Thinking correctly is the first step in life transformation. And the last thing they can come to music, we're finishing. Vision is revealed on a personal and corporate level. Oftentimes, personal vision is birthed within a broader vision, and your personal vision will be fulfilled in the context of a larger purpose. What does that mean? It means that vision... Gives birth to vision. What is our vision? Win souls, make disciples. So everything that we do is centered around the, the purpose and the vision of winning souls and making disciples. Now, why is winning souls and making disciples our vision? Because it's not our vision, it is the vision. I don't think I can improve upon what God's already said to do. Do you? But you know what? That, that's why we have next step classes. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have ministries to join. We have them because God is going to use you, not restrict you, not to limit you, but allow you to fully express the uniqueness that he has created you with and for. You just need to Get on the train. 
You know, in Genesis chapter 11, it talks about people who were going to build a tower to heaven. And this is what God said about them. He said, these people are one. And they are of one language. And nothing that they put their mind to do will be impossible for them. Do you want to know how we as a church are going to accomplish and fulfill what God has called us to do? It's in this one verse. Number one, we have to cooperate. It requires cooperation. The Bible says they were unified. Number two, there was communication. The Bible says they spoke one language. You know what came out of their mouth? The same thing. Everybody that built the wall in Jerusalem in the book of Nehemiah, guess what came out of their mouth? They asked, what are you doing today? Building a wall. What do you think about doing tomorrow? I'm building a wall. What about on Wednesday? I'm building a wall. What are you doing on Friday? I'm building the wall. Listen, all of you are called to help build the wall of what God is doing in our community. And the third thing is they had vision. They had unity. They spoke the same thing and they saw the same thing. That's what God's wanting to do in our lives.